Welcome back to the Pregnantish Podcast, where we show the incredible lengths our guests have gone to to create their families. And my guest today, Bachelor Nation fan favorite Holly Durst, is certainly part of this group. Today's episode is sponsored by Fertility Out Loud, a platform and social media community which provides guidance to help you better understand your fertility journey, resources and tools so you can get the most out of your appointments, and support from a community who have been where you are. Visit fertilityoutloud.com for more. If you've ever watched the popular reality show The Bachelor, you may recognize Holly. She was on the popular series in season 12 and the winner of season two of the reality show spinoff, The Bachelor Pad. Holly actually met her husband, Blake Julian, on the reality show, and they're one of the few couples in Bachelor Nation who are still together today. Millions watched as the pair fell in love and followed their story when they got married in 2012. But what fans didn't know about the pair was that they were struggling behind the scenes to get and stay pregnant. I think that I wish I would have done it sooner, honestly. I feel so bad for the women that go through this in silence because I did and it was terrible. And I wish I would have been more vocal about it. The only people that knew were my family and my really close friends. Diagnosed with stage four endometriosis in 2014, Holly had surgery to try to treat it, believing it would lead to a successful, healthy pregnancy. She never imagined all the years, all the tears that her journey to parenthood would take. As she processed multiple failures and losses, she and Blake largely kept quiet, at least to their fans. But when her daughter arrived through adoption in 2019, Holly came out in a vulnerable and real talk Instagram post, which was titled, My Seven Year Secret. Today, we'll talk to Holly about why she's now out loud with her fertility story, how she and Blake navigated miscarrying and the challenging experiences they faced in their marriage while trying to build their family, and why she now says that her daughter Poppy was worth the wait, even if she had to wait another seven years to be her mom. I love that, Holly. Welcome to the Pregnantish Podcast. Uh, I want to cry, don't you? Listen, I'm already tearing up and it's my life story. (laughs) Well, I mean, when it's reflected back to us, I think so often we're amazed what we go to, right? To to get this. I got goosebumps when you were talking about Blake and I meeting on the show. And I was like, oh, this is such a nice recap of my life. It's a little recap just in our in our pregnancy podcast, but I actually do want to start with the show because some people listening remember you. I mean, we're now talking a decade ago, but this was right? Was it 2012? Yeah, it was 2012 when we, no, it was 2011 when we went on, when Blake and I met on the show. So I was on The Bachelor long before that. Those were the years I was watching it. I remember your season and I remember you were sweet as pie, but you definitely had a dramatic storyline. So for those who don't remember, take us back to that. First of all, how did you get cast on this reality show and what was it like? Well, I think most of the people get casted because they sign up online or someone recommends them. I lived in LA and I was walking down the street and someone came up and said, Hey, have you heard of the bachelor? And I had never seen it. So I, but I'd heard of it. I was like, yeah. And they said, uh, do you want to be on it? <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> and I had just gotten out of a 
very serious relationship. Like I thought I was going to marry this other guy and we broke up in a very uh, abrupt way. And so it was like three weeks later and I thought, yeah, I have nothing to lose. Let's, let's do the show. What is it like? And I have to tell you, Holly, we had Chrysalie, who was on The Bachelor, on a different Pregnant podcast. So I've heard different versions now about road ceremonies, but bring us back. Just set the stage because I definitely want to get into your family story, but it, it really started on the show. I always just think about your path has to lead a certain way in life to get to where you are. And I, it is so true. Like, What are the chances that in those two minutes that I was walking down the street that someone came up and asked if I wanted to be on The Bachelor? And then, like, I don't know, it's just like I had to go on that show and I had to do all these other things to get to where I was to meet Blake. And then, you know, then all those other things had to happen to get to where I am now. Gosh, I, I had just turned 24. It was the week after my 24th birthday, so it was a very long time ago. And I, it was, I don't know, there's just a lot of young girls on there. And I just went on, I'm thinking, I'm just going to go have fun. You know, why not? I'm just going to do this. (laughs) And what was that first night like at the rose ceremony? What does it feel like being there with all the cameras and the attention on you and you're all vying for the same guy? And what is it like? I did not think it was real. I kept thinking, so I had back in the day, actually they rebooted Joe Millionaire, but back in the day, Joe Millionaire was very popular and they like didn't tell the girls what show they were going on. And then, so I was like, I'm on some secret show because I had never watched The Bachelor before. So I didn't know about the mansion, anything. So I'm just like living it up. Like this is, we're on another show. And then all of a sudden Chris Harrison walks in and I was like, I'm on The Bachelor. (laughs) Like it did not hit me until he walked in and I was like, oh. I'm, I'm doing this. So, I mean, it was, it's kind of like, a it's a, just this weird situation you're in. Cause you don't have your phone. There's no TV. You don't have books. You, you, you have nothing you, like you have nothing to entertain you except for let's fall in love. So that was like the only goal for all of us in the house. You did fall in love and you had a very kind of dramatic storyline. So can, for those who didn't watch, take us through how you and Blake ended up together. What happened? Years later, after I got on off The Bachelor, I ended up dating another guy from Jillian Harris's season. Um, and he and I were engaged. And then I just didn't feel like I was supposed to marry him. And so I called up the engagement. And that was in November, I don't know what year, but everyone told me I was an idiot and that he's such a nice guy and that we needed to stay together. And I was like, okay, like he is a, he's, he's such a great guy. And I was like, okay, I'll get back together with him. But I just didn't feel in my heart I was supposed to marry him. And so we did get back together and we dated and then he broke up with me. And then we both happened to go on Bachelor Pad. <laughs> so. And Bachelor Pad, for those who don't know, is the spinoff from The Bachelor. That's also wildly popular, where now you're with past contestants competing. I think there was like 20 of us, 10 women, 10 men that have, did not find love. So they went on to, to compete for money. And, you know, hopefully something happened. And Well, something happened. So what happened? <laughs> said, Hey, uh, do you want to go on bachelor pad? And I kind of was like, no, I don't think so. And then they told me my ex was going on and I was like, what? 
he's doing it. Fine. I'm going to do it. So I went on and he fell back in love with me on the show. And that was really hard because I didn't know, like my heart was seriously torn at that point because I really liked Blake and I thought, Oh, this is something new and exciting. I could, I could go this route with my life or I could go back to what I knew and what was comfortable. And so I, I didn't know. I felt like, you know, you just, your heart is getting pulled in two different directions at this point. And I ultimately decided to go with Blake and go with something new because I already had felt that I wasn't supposed to marry him. So I went with my heart on that one. And, you know, 11 years later, it worked out. (laughs) And this is a Valentine's Day episode right now. So you then married him. And then when you got married, what did you imagine your family building journey to look like? I know it's not probably what you imagined, but when did you guys discuss wanting to have a baby or kids? What, what happened there? When I was little, I used to want, I wanted like a minivan full of kids because Oprah always gave away minivans to families that had like a ton of kids. So I was like, I'm going to have so many kids. I'm going to go on Oprah and she's going to give me a minivan. That's my childhood dream. Anyway, but I, I grew up in a big family. Blake's one of seven. I'm one of five. We grew up in a big family and I, we both wanted a family. So we started trying immediately. Like we got married and we're like, let's try to have a baby. And like two years went by and I didn't think, I was like, I, I guess it just takes a while. And then I had a friend come over and she had some infertility issues. And she said, I'm not telling you to go see someone, but I'm just going to write the doctor's name and phone number on this piece of paper. And I'm just going to leave it on your table. And that number sat there for months. I did not, I was like, I am not going to have to do this. There's, I'm going to get pregnant. And it sat there for a very long time. And then one day I just picked up the phone and I called the doctor and I said, Hey, I've been trying for a couple years and I just kind of need to know like what my next step is to try and get pregnant. And that's an amazing hard, I know I've been there, call to make because that's when really you start to feel, not that you have control over next steps, but you're taking charge and being your own kind of health advocate, which is a great thing. How old were you at this point? Do you remember? I think I was 31 or 32. Because mm-hmm. I ended up, I know that I um, ended up doing my first uh, round. We did, a, we did an IUI. Mm-hmm. And he, my dog, they can't diagnose you with uh, endometriosis. But, so they can't physically diagnose it unless they see it. So he said, I suggest we do surgery. And so he went, went in to do my surgery. And he was like, it's the worst case I've ever seen. And I would suggest a history. He's like, if, if he got permission, he would have done a hysterectomy on me immediately. But he was like, we'll try and clear it up. I know you want to get pregnant. So he got rid of as much as he could. And I felt great afterward. I was like, I, I feel incredible. I'm going to get pregnant now, you know, and then we try a little longer. I was probably like, probably 31, 32, I'm guessing because yeah. at 33, I did my first round of IVF. So I always knew my eggs 
would always be 33 years old, no matter how old I got. <laughs> I've been there. Actually, I have a very similar story with my endo and actually fibroid tumors and my uterus being a mess and yeah. being kind of shocked to hear all of that blindsided. Like, I, how could I not know I was walking around with all of this, right? It's, it's kind of shocking. Well, I think, so this is what no one ever told me. My mom didn't tell me. My friends didn't tell me. My friend's parents didn't tell me. No one told me this. I would be throwing up every single month on my period in high school. Like I was physically throwing up because the pain was so bad and no one ever told me that wasn't normal. What we put up with a lot, because if nobody tells you, it's, it's definitely one thing. But I think women, we have crazy high resilience sometimes where we're in terrible pain that would cause a lot of people to keel over. And we think, well, those are our lady parts doing their thing. Like we make crazy excuses. I've been there. I was hospitalized with my endo as a teenager. Um, for days, I would be missing school because I was in so much pain. And funny, and I've talked about it on the Pregnish podcast before, so my audience knows this, but when I got married to my husband, <laughs> I said, it'll take us about a year to get pregnant. It's hilarious, Holly, because I remember I had this endodiagnosis. They, they suspected, to your point, they, they didn't open me at that time, but little did we all know. So what, what were your next steps after you had the surgery. We did the IUI and then we were like, my husband was like, nope, we're going to, let's go for the thing. That's a for sure thing. Jokes on us. So we did one round of IVF. We implanted two embryos, didn't get pregnant with either one of them. And then I waited a little bit. I think I did it in March and then I did it again in November. So I waited. I just kind of like wanted to flush all the hormones out of me. and. Did it again, implanted two again, nothing took. And then he suggested, the doctor suggested that I do an entire round of IVF again, but instead of implanting, take a biopsy of my uterus. And I, at that point was, I was like, absolutely not. We're, I can't, I just, I, I cried a lot. <laughs> you just feel like, what, why am I doing this? Like, I don't need to go through this. And then we found the most beautiful woman in the entire world that wanted to carry our babies for us. And she had a gestational surrogate, which is what I had. Someone taking your embryos, your genetic material, putting it in her uterus. That's what it was my eggs in my in Blake's sperm. And they we had created the embryos already. And then the embryos went into her. And she did one the first time and she got pregnant. And I was like, how did you do that? <laughs> <laughs> I know you have a superpower. <laughs> but then we lost the baby at eight weeks. So it was really emotional. We had kind of been through it all at this point. So it was, we were kind of numb to that feeling. Yes, we, I felt like I couldn't get excited anymore because I was like, I can't, like, I just stayed really calm. And then the moment that she got pregnant, I was like, okay this is it. This is it. And then I was like, no, stop getting your hopes up. Cause we've done this so many times before. So she had to experience losing a baby for the first time. And she's had three healthy pregnancies. She like thrived during them. So this is, she wanted to do this for us. And so we sat there and we're like holding her when 
she, we knew she was losing the baby, you know, and I was like, I never want to put this pain on someone ever again in my life. And she was like, I'm going to do it again. Like I've never experienced infertility before. And I want to do this again for you guys. And I was like, like, no, it's fine. It's fine. So at that point we had five embryos left. And so we got those five tested and we had two really good, healthy girls. So we knew, I was like, it's a girl. I'm so excited. I wanted a girl so bad. And um, she implanted both of them and got pregnant with one. And then again, at eight weeks, lost the baby. Same exact thing happened. And I was like, this isn't, this isn't meant to be. And so at that point, Blake said, no matter what, I want a family. So it doesn't matter where the child comes from. I just want to be a family. And it's very hard to get men on board with adoption. I mean, I feel like every man I've talked to that adopted their child, they're like, I don't know. It doesn't seem like, I don't know. And then the moment they have the child, they're like, it doesn't matter. Like We hear a pregnant-ish, like my baby didn't come the way I imagined, but my family feels like it was meant to be. So when you did become out loud with your fertility story, that you said it was my, called my seven year secret. What prompted you to share this so publicly? I always appreciate when anyone, especially public people like Holly, are out loud with their fertility stories. It isn't easy, but it helps those of us struggling feel more seen and more supported. And speaking of this, I wanted to say thanks to today's episode sponsor, Fertility Out Loud. Fertility Out Loud is a platform and social media community designed to support anyone experiencing fertility challenges and includes resources to help you navigate insurance coverage or find a fertility specialist and provides guides to help you be prepared for your appointments. Fertility Out Loud also shares experience and advice from people who have been there themselves. Sign up for Fertility Out Loud for guidance to help you better understand your fertility journey, resources and tools to help you communicate with your doctor and navigate insurance coverage, and support from a community of people who have been where you are. Visit fertilityoutloud.com for more. And now back to Holly. I think that I wish I would have done it sooner, honestly. I feel so bad for the women that go through this in silence because I did and it was terrible. And I wish I would have been more vocal about it. The only people that knew were my family and my really close friends. And I think once I had a glimmer of hope, like we were getting, we had talked to Poppy's birth mom and or it was around that time. So it was around the time I posted it. So I think I had that one glimmer of hope and I was like, this is going to work out. I, like, I'm going to have, I'm going to have a child and I don't know how that child's going to come to me, but I'm going to have a child. So I felt like this weight lifted off of me. And then I was like, I'm going to, I'm just going to put this video together of our, everything we've been through in the last seven years. And, oh no, I did. I posted it right before because Poppy's birth mom saw the video. Oh. And that's how she said, she said, she was like, I saw your video and that's how she started talking to us. Did she meet you through Instagram? Yeah. She wrote me on Instagram. Oh my gosh. And said, Hey, are you wanting to adopt? And I had been kind of scammed a few times from other adoptive 
oh, well, fam, like from moms, other moms. And so I, at this point was like, she goes, do you want, are you looking to adopt? And I said, yep. <laughs> Cause I was like, I'm getting my heart broken one more time. I'm not doing this. So I was so just casual with her. And she said, that's what she liked about me. Cause everybody else would have been like, huh, yes. Like, you know, so. I mean, everything to your point, like has to be so measured when you go through the I mean, it is such a marathon to parenthood for some of us. And we don't see the finish line. Unlike a marathon where you know the finish line with infertility, the goalpost keeps moving and you're like, really? I thought that was the end, <laughs> right? And and when it's not, I think, like you said, you just become a little numb or try to wait for the other shoe to drop or all these things. And in, in a way, I, I'm so jealous of the people who have these like glowy pregnancies where they just announce it right away and they're like out there and they've never experienced that because you and I will never know that. You know, I, people, I think people that don't go through any sort of infertility don't realize like, I will never have a pregnancy announcement. Like I will never have a gender reveal party. Like all these little things, like I can't pump, like post my bump pictures every month or every couple of weeks, you know? And I was like, that's, I, it still hurts, you know, that I'm like, it doesn't go away. Like I'm, I feel so complete with Poppy and I'm so thankful that I, like, I went through all of that. I can't imagine my life without her. She's my, the best thing that ever happened to me. Oh, now I'm all emotional. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm almost there, Holly. I feel you so much. I, I love her so much. And I'm like, I am so grateful nothing worked. Like, I, I just can't imagine my life without her. So I'm happy. I'm so happy that I went through all of that. And I always tell people, I'm like, you have to trust your babies out there. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, all the stuff you're going through is going to be so worth it. Looking back at your hardest moment, did you have a hard moment with Blake during this where you guys were challenged? Can you, can you talk about that too and how you got through it? Yeah, I think the, I mean, he was very supportive. I, when I was going through IVF and I'm constantly pumping myself full of hormones, I remember I always cry in the closet. It's just like, I, I don't know why I just go to the closet and that's right. We have a very large closet. So it's not like I'm in this tiny little thing crying in the corner. Um, I just sit in the closet and like, it's dark in there. And I think like, that's just my peaceful place. I don't know. So I was crying in the closet and he was holding me. And I said, I don't even feel like living anymore. And he was like, then we're going to stop all of this right now. And I was like, he was like, I would rather you than anything else. And I was like, no, we got to keep going. He was like, not if this is going to like tear you apart on the inside. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's so, you know, you married the right person when your partner can say that to you. I heard this great quote recently. I was interviewing someone who said, her husband said, you know, I didn't marry you as a baby. You're not like a baby maker to me. You're my partner in good times and bad you know, we're going to, this is the bad, but let's make it good. Let's find our good path. We're going to get there. And I think we take turns in relationships being the driver. Sometimes you have to be the passenger. When one person can't drive and that other person is there as support as he was, that's so beautiful. And then when we lost the babies to our gestational carrier, he was 
a mess. So I was the one that had to be strong at that point because he, I wasn't on hormones anymore, but he, we finally got that like hope and then it came crashing down. So he, I was like, the, the, the roles kind of go back and forth and you have to, one person has to be strong. <laughs> At, at some time. And it doesn't always have to be. Actually, it's really good when it's not at the same time. I always say to our community, your partner can't be your everything sometimes during infertility because your partner's suffering too. There's power in finding your community. Uh, it could be uh, friends, family, counselor, your church, your synagogue, whatever it looks like. But finding those people you can confide in who won't tell you to relax and it'll happen. What message do you have for listeners who are literally losing hope, feeling like there's not an end in sight, and they're, they're really listening to this conversation deeply. Do you have any words to share? Yes. Like I said before, you have to know that there's a baby for you. Like I know it seems so impossible right now, and it seems like you're going to have to jump through all these hoops to get there, but I promise you it'll be worth it. And because it is for me. And after seven years, I waited seven years for her and I went through everything. Anything someone suggested to me, I did it. I had, I tried everything. I went on every medication, every vitamin, every like natural, anything. I did it all. But I'm so thankful that nothing worked because I have this beautiful, beautiful little girl in my life. I also recommend finding something that makes you happy if you're going through this. The days that I went to the gym, I didn't cry and I didn't notice that trend. And Blake would, Blake noticed and he said, Hey, um, how about your only job today is to go work out if you want? Like, I think because it gets your endorphins going. So I think find something that makes you happy because we can get so sucked into this life of infertility and then it draws all our happiness out. So find something that makes you happy. And that's, I mean, that's what I did. And then it got me through it. Oh, I love it. Holly, thank you so much for being out loud with your fertility story. I I can't tell you how much it means to people who will never tell you in our community. And uh, let's keep in touch. And fo- where can we find you and follow your family story? On Instagram at Holly Julian. Thanks so much. <laughs> thank you. And thank you for listening to another episode of the Pregnantish Podcast, where we cover the extraordinary lengths extraordinary people go to to create their families. Many of us in this community have families we feel destined to have, that we were meant to have, but that we never expected to build the way we did. And these stories are not only inspiring, our goal with the Pregnantish Podcast is to advocate to spread awareness and to show that infertility is a disease. It affects all kinds of people, people you would never expect, including public people like Holly. So thanks for listening to another episode and tune in next time. Until then.